welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. GGP. Yes, welcome. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Episode 56. Wow, that's insane. 55, 56, one of those. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this week we are covering the Korean vampire horror movie from Park Chan Wook of Old Boy fame, Thirst. Mm-hmm. Starring, um, oh my gosh, Song Kang Ho. Mm-hmm. One of <laughs> our favorites. Yes. <laughs> from uh, Parasite and Memories of a Murder. Which we've done, mm-hmm. and uh, The Host, which we haven't done, but is a really good monster movie, which I'm sure we've talked about a bunch of times. And Snowpiercer. Um, and Snowpiercer, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, um, how are you doing today, Brittany? Um, I am okay. Um, well, I'll go into a lot of details. I don't know what's weird. This has just been a weird week. It was a really crazy day at work, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird for Wednesdays. Um, what about you, Katie? How have you been? It's been a very strange week for me as well. Um, had some st- stuff, personal stuff going on that made me very um, stressed out. Um, but working through that, that's okay. That's good. Um, and then, like, so Monday night, I um, usually when I edit, I feel like I should explain this. Usually when I edit, I start it on Sunday and try to get as much of it done on Sunday but um, because I've got gizmo and you know weekends are kind of our time I usually like you know edit a little bit on Sunday and then I'll finish up Monday night and if I still have something to do I'll do it on Tuesday just so I can break it up so I don't have to spend so much time in front of a computer and not entertaining my little puppy who is just like already you know when I'm working all day I feel bad yeah understandable um, so I worked on some of it on Sunday, but I had a friend visiting, so I spent more time with them than editing. So I was like, oh, it's okay. I'll do it Monday night. I get home. I sit down to edit, and I do about three minutes of editing, and, um, I, look, I save while I edit, but still. Um, and the power goes out, and then it comes right back on. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then, as soon as I boot the computer back up, it shuts down again. And it's off for, like, three hours. And I was like, okay, I'll get up really early. I'll go to work super early. Because, luckily, my job, you have very flexible shifts. Like, as long as you work your hours, you can come in pretty much as early as you want and leave earlier if you do your hours. So, I was like, I'll just work an early shift tomorrow and leave early. Which I did. And I left super early. And literally, I was turning into my neighborhood And the same Transformer that blew the night before in the storm, because it's been storming here, uh, got hit by lightning and blew while I was turning into my neighborhood. And it was literally, like, right in front of me. Like, uh, just across the street from me. And I was like, oh my god, I guess my power's out again. 
And uh, so it came back on at like 7 last night. So I did all of the editing last night. Oh, God. So I'm a little tired. Yeah. Um, the good thing is while the power was out, I got to rewatch our movie this week. So I guess that's good. But uh, yeah, it's just been a weird week. It's been a weird week and it's only Wednesday. But yeah. That means we only have two more days of the work week left. Yes. So, that's I'm good. excited. I'm ready. I'm like, oh, it's also this is the time of year where usually like so I already feel busy because it's my birthday. I'm a Gemini. So it's uh-huh. of course I'm like, oh, it's my birthday month. Um, But also this is the time of year that usually people are just doing a lot of things like you have summer parties. People are doing stuff with the pool in the lake. I it's usually there's a lot of like this is actually it's going to be my first time I'm going to a bridal tea. So I never went oh, to yes. a bridal tea before, so I had to, like, look up and, like, be like, okay, I know I don't wear white, but do I wear something specific? Like, so those are, it just seems like June is, like, very overwhelming anyway. Yeah. Um, I well, feel it like, is, like, wedding season, so, like, those kinds of events usually happen in the yeah. late spring, early summer. Yeah, I have been to a couple bridal teas, and it was just, like, wear a nice dress, basically. I mean... I don't remember, like, it being specific. But maybe it's because my... I mean, my friends are pretty low-key. The yeah. ones that were I went to bridal teas for. So there hasn't really been anybody that's, like, high-key. I won't say high-maintenance, but high-key mm-hmm. that I've been involved in their wedding. So, you know, it's all good. Yeah. But it'll be fun. Yeah. I just feel like June and October are kind of like... Or at least for me, it's the most... June and October are my two busiest most every year of my life, yeah. pretty much. I make October busy because I always want to do stuff for Halloween. Me so, too. And I love the fall. <laughs> so, you know, it's all good. Um, ha- uh, Did you have any housekeeping? I feel bad. I did not have no, any specific housekeeping. No, it's good if you don't have housekeeping. Uh, did, did you? I have one thing. Just one okay. thing. Um, last week we mentioned the movies The Handmaiden and Tipping the Velvet and... Uh, Fingersmith, which mm-hmm. the last two are mid- mini-series, but still. Um, and I said, oh, they're all by the same author. And I kept talking about that, but I didn't say who the author was. It's Sarah oh. Waters. Oh. Sorry. Um, that was the only housekeeping I had. Uh, nothing else was weird um, that I mentioned, or I cut it out if it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I wrote down, at least. Um, did you watch any good movies this weekend, other than the one we, we covered? Okay, I I won't say it's good, um, but I did watch <laughs> I did watch The Conjuring Three on HBO. Oh, did you? Yeah, and okay. um, you know I I love the first Conjuring movie. I will stick with my guns and say it's probably one of the best horror movies that has come out in the last ten years. Like it is it's pretty a, solid. Yeah, it's, it's a good spoopy. one. Yeah, very spoopy. And yeah. I mean, I love Patrick Wilson and I love Vera oh, Farmigan. Yeah. Farmiga, mm-hmm. who of course was um, Farmiga, Nor- I think Farmiga. Uh, she, Farmiga. of course, I think of her as uh, Norma in Bates Motel. Yeah, is yeah. and I love Bates Motel. She's um, but great. I, she's so great. She's such a great actress. But this one, I felt was like one. I felt was a little long winded. Two, it mm. wasn't really scary. And I mean, I can appreciate things that aren't jump scares, but it just didn't have any scenes that really terrified me and got under my mm. skin like the first two movies did. And three, I felt um, it fell into the same formula. D 
the other two movies did, so I felt it was predictable. So I don't like when yeah. movies repeat their formula over and over again. Yeah. I haven't seen the second one either, So, but I saw the first one. I liked it. I surprisingly liked it. And all the, you know, Lily Taylor. Yes. Lily Taylor. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. Ron Livingston. Great. Where I said Patrick Wilson. Oh, Patrick Wilson has had my heart ever since I saw Angels in America. Even though his character is kind of... I don't know. He's not a very likable character. Yeah. He's, he's sympathetic, but he just does all this shit that... There's two characters in Angels in America that just annoy the shit out of me. And it's Patrick Wilson's character. And then the character that's basically based on uh, Kushner. Tony Kushner, mm-hmm. the author. Yeah. Because um, he always has a character that's kind of based on himself. And they both just do some horrendous things to really nice people. And uh, in the name of being honest, but the way they do it is just really shitty. But I just think Patrick Wilson's really attractive and a and really I'm gonna, good actor. I'm going to say real, real quick on my note about Patrick Wilson. So um, my therapist when I was 16 years old was the one that got me into Watchmen. And my therapist looks like, like, looked like Night Owl in the comics. And so Night Owl always has been kind of like my favorite Watchmen character. Uh-huh. And, of course, Patrick Wilson was Night Owl in Watchmen. Um, but also, then I found out that Patrick Wilson can kind of sing. But, yeah. Um, is that the only, like, new movie you got to watch, though? Those are the only new movie, but because of the orphanage, I did actually revisit Pan's Labyrinth, which I haven't, mm-hmm. like, seen I haven't watched in it in a while. Years. Um, and I forgot how violent Pan's Labyrinth was. I was like, holy shit! It's like, rough. <laughs> It's rough. Oh, there's yeah. puppies playing in the background, too, if you hear barking. Yeah, they're puppies. They're just playing. Um, oh, yeah, shake your ears, Riley. Yes. Yes. Might have been Mabel, but it sounded yeah. like a Riley shake. <laughs> Riley just had his birthday, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, He's being a yeah. He's like, I'm not going to be an old man yet. I have to play. So. Yes. He's. Um, he's yeah. Yeah. I know. Gizmo, my parents brought over their dog and they're taking them for a walk because Gizmo is really bored. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, is Hold Up still love Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah. Uh, so, I, I liked it. Yeah. It's still, I mean, visually beautiful. And it's kind of scary. Like, the whole Pillman <laughs> sequence. Like, I was like, fuck, this is scary. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That is like frightening and it's it's very good at holding tension yes i actually i watched a few movies this weekend um i watched but i'm a cheerleader yeah it's on imdb um channel on prime that's like free with prime oh okay so you have to watch commercials with it but oh that doesn't bother me yeah Uh, it's really cute um it's very it's very 90s like the fashion um, Catherine Moriarty's in it, or Kathy Moriarty, that the actress who plays the bad lady in Casper. Oh yeah, well, has a great voice. Um, she's like the bad guy, kind of. Um, and there's a lot of like '90s people. RuPaul's in it as a quote-unquote uh, former gay, uh, who's not so former. Um, and it's it's interesting. It's really cute. It's a, I mean, it's it's very '90s rom rom com, but it's okay. cute. And I think, like, I mean, I'm surprised they got away with what they did in that day and age. Um, because I was like, wow, this is, like, pretty honest and stuff. It's not overly, like, sexual either. There's, like, maybe, like, two sensual scenes. 
and they're not like like there's not a lot of nudity or anything so it's pretty pg-13 yeah they do curse a lot and um it's but it's pretty funny um yeah i really like it i think if you want something fun to watch for pride i think it's a good one um and natasha leone's in it and um shit i can't remember the name of uh clea clea does something deval clea deval or something plays the girl that she ends up being interested in hmm i think her name's clea um and uh, uh melanie linsky you know what i'm talking about Mm-mm. um you you'll know her she's the the stalker in um two and a half men but she was also in she was the good stepsister in ever after and she's been in like a ton of stuff she was in okay. heavenly creatures with kate winslet yeah i think this was like the second movie after heavenly creatures so oh wow um yeah so there's a lot of like familiar faces too um and it's funny it's mostly tongue-in-cheek but it does like it covers some tough stuff, um, but it's 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 very tongue in cheek. It's very funny, and everyone's a little overly dramatic, and everybody's mannerisms are very exaggerated. But again, it was the nineties, yeah. so that's kind of where we were in uh, LGBTQ plus films, unfortunately. <laughs> Anyways, um, the whole movie's kind of fairy tale esque, not fairy tale, but like it's it's uh anachronistic because everything's kind of like 50s ish but it's definitely taking place in the 90s yeah um i also finished schitt's creek finally it ends really nicely um i i did cry a little bit um but more like like teared up i was like bawling my eyes out it ends like really nicely everything's kind of buttoned up and it ends nicely like i wish more shows would do that like they have it like we're like you could probably do, like, a Christmas special or something in a couple of years, but it's not needed, you know? Um, and I did watch It Chapter 2. Oh, Which I liked. I thought it was really good. I thought um, they melded the stories of the kids and the adults really well. I think they had really good casting for the adults. Um, the only one that was kind of annoying was Richie. Was it Richie Tozer? Yeah, that's the one who Bill Hader plays. Oh, really? Um, but, I mean, he's supposed to be annoying. And cause... see, I like... I Okay, so here's my thing with it, Chapter 2, is that I love the adult casting. I think it complimented the children actors very, very well. Yes. And I could I could believe it. And I mean, like, even the kid that looked like Eddie, I was like, damn, they got someone that looked just like a grown-up version of that kid. Um, but at the same time, I thought it was so comedic, and I didn't feel like the first one it was as comedic as the second half was. Like, the second yeah. one. Yeah. I thought it was funnier, and also, um, yeah, I thought it was much more comedic than I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't, like, like, I have the miniseries on tape, and I've watched all of it. Um, it is laughably stupid. I mean, it's not great, um, and it's very melodramatic. I think they kept it pretty tight, and they yeah. even had a Stephen King um, cameo. And but Stephen without King- it being over the top. Well, I love it. It's a Stephen King cameo, too, making fun of Stephen King. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, which is the you best know he part. did that. He likes to the make best fun part. of authors. He's it's like, great. He's like, your book, like, that's a running joke is that Bill's books never have good endings. I'm like, yeah. oh, like, much like a Stephen King? Much like so, Stephen King. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love um, James McAvoy. I was oh, like, yeah. I forgot he was in this movie. And Jessica Chastain and the guy that played um, Ben. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, wait. Who who used to be the fat kid? Ben. Ben. Okay, good. Yeah. Who was John Ritter in the miniseries? Yeah. But mm-hmm. the guy they cast for that, I did, I recognized him, but not. 
I think he's been in like television or something because he's really recognizable, but I can't replace him exactly. But I think he did a really good job. The thing with Bill, uh, with the Ricky Tozier character was mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out: Are they trying to imply that he's gay yes, and he can't absolutely. come yes. out of the closet? I yes. wish he had come out of the closet. That's like, the thing that I think bothered a lot of modern viewers is that it's very heavily implied that Eddie and uh, Richie are bisexual in the novel. Mm-hmm. It's never clear stated, but it's it's implied. Um, yeah. And I think that was... The, well, think, in the miniseries, Eddie comes out to everybody. Yeah. Or no, he doesn't come out as gay. He says, I've never had sex with anyone. I'm still a virgin. And then he... Spoiler alert for it. Dies. Yeah. And it's just... And they make a joke about it. Like, the, Ricky's like... Oh, thanks for telling us, bud. I can't really help you there. <laughs> Which, it's just, it's not really dealt well with in the miniseries. I and think, I liked some of how they dealt with it, but I wish it would have come to a head at the end. Well, and spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen It Chapter 2. So they have, like, this cleansing where they jump into the lake that they did when they were children. And that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people thought, including myself, was that, that moment in the lake where he's crying, they're holding each other, would have been the safe place for him to come out. Like, that's yeah. what I felt was going to happen. And I was really surprised when it didn't happen although i am glad they didn't like make him be in love with eddie because that would have been like oh i mean he's like he cares about his friend but he's not like in love I, with him i think that would have been a little over I the think top he was in love with eddie when they were kids though is what it, hmm. it implies because you see the initials carved in the bridge and it's eddie i and thought it was just because they were friends i mean i don't think you have to be, i mean it can be whatever because yeah. they don't really do it yeah i wasn't sure what that's what i was like they didn't really go there so i'm not really sure mm-hmm. like are you are you implying that or is but, it just that okay you know maybe they're just friends and he just misses his friend because just because you're friends with someone of the same sex and you're attracted to the same sex doesn't mean you're going to be in love with them yeah you know well I, I think it was different with eddie like him and eddie had a closer bond than him and the other boys did even though him and the other boys were friends as well now something off topic but on topic to do it at chapter two something that bothered me is in the books and the original miniseries aurora uh bill's wife played a bigger part and yes. here she's she here she's kind of squandered down to like a bitchy actress character and then you is, never see her again yeah, yeah exactly and she's an actress in the original movie and miniseries but wasn't it olivia de hussey yes it was yeah it was yeah. olivia de hussey from mm-hmm. uh psycho three? Oh, and three? um and romeo and, juliet. and romeo and juliet yeah, yeah. but um oh, and i was black christmas and black christmas yes i was like and another horror movie yeah, yeah. So, like, I was, like, I expected her to come back because that's the thing with, again, spoiler for It, Chapter 2, or It, the miniseries, is that, like, Bill is, like, like, she gets captured by It, and he has to save her, and then she's in, like, this catatonic state at the end of the book, which this was a bad ending, but then Bill, like, bicycles down a hill and it wakes her up. That's actually what happens in the book, too. Yeah, so maybe that's (laughs) how they bring her back. Oh, uh, because it's really stupid. I think they handled, like, a lot of the silly stuff in the other miniseries really well. Like, the Chinese restaurant was actually kind of creepy and scary. And it wasn't just, like, silly. Um, and I think they... I just think they handled a lot of things. I like that Mike had a much bigger part in it because I feel like that character got shafted in the first one. Like, it Chapter 1, I was like... Mike is- did a lot more in... They like they took a bunch of Mike stuff and gave it to Ben. Yeah, which I thought, and they made Ben the new kid and not Mike. And I think Ben was the new kid, but Mike was the one that like lived in the library, and it made yeah. more sense why he was still a librarian because he was always into town history. But instead, they give that to Ben. 
yeah. in the first movie. And I think it's just because they didn't have a lot to do with Ben. But they had the whole Ben and um, Bev, like, mm-hmm. romance, pseudo-romance thing going on, too. So I was a little confused. Like, why did you take all Mike's stuff? I am, I will say one one more thing, and I know we have to move on, but I mm-hmm. love it, and I've I've loved it since I was a kid, and that's no lie. Like, <laughs> I, I used to watch the miniseries all the time when I was a kid, and I love the book, and I love the movies, and incidentally, I still my haven't little... read the book. I'm oh, it's, 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 it's so a long. it's a mammoth. It's a mammoth read. <laughs> it's like 1,300 and something pages. I think but... I have it on Audible, so eventually I will listen to it. Yeah, I always fought that it should have been adapted as a miniseries is my opinion i was like there's so much in that book but my my biggest complaint is that they you kind of see uh it as its final spider form in the original Mm -hmm. miniseries but there's so much like lovecraftian lore in that novel and i would love to see an adaptation yeah (laughs) the turtle and not only that, but he, um, there's like a battle, um, it's actual, the ritual of Chud, which is like, uh, it's a battle of the minds, and because Bill's a stutterer, there's something very strong about, like, he overcomes his stutter to, to Aww. save his friends and family. He has a saying, is a, he thrusts his fist into the post and still insists he sees the ghost, and for me, having a speech impediment, that's something I say, too, to kind of yeah. help. So, Aww. I'm like, I kind of was hoping those parts would be in the yeah. movie, but... I, I don't like think they kept the Bill's stutter in, though, because I feel mm-hmm. like either that was glossed over in the miniseries, or I don't even remember him having a stutter in the miniseries. He does, but all. only when he gets really nervous. It's only because he's yeah. like, and I see Georgie when he's talking about the book, like the picture. Yeah. yeah. I think the way, well, it was James McAvoy, too, so he's a top-notch actor. But he did it very realistically. Mm-hmm. But James McAvoy's just a good actor. I do want to mention, before yes. we go on. No, you're good. I watched Bill Burnham's special Inside. Um, it's wrecked my soul. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. And if you had a rough time in quarantine last year, it'll bring some bad feelings back and some good feelings back, and you'll be emotionally wrecked. And I love Bill Burnham. And, uh, yeah, someone pointed on TikTok, like, how did he get hotter? Well, his life was falling apart. Like, he sings a whole song, like, a couple songs just in his underwear, like, but just, he's, like, unshaven, his hair's uncut, and you're just like, yeah, why, why is he, like, being, like, a disgusting slob, and he's hotter than he was when he's all cleaned up? It's very weird, but, Bo Burnham, thank you. Thank you for getting real. It is very real. Also, the song White Woman's Instagram makes you really think every single selfie you take and put on the internet. So... Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. But now your TikTok videos are making so much more sense that you sent to me. (laughs) It's so good. Lots of existential dread, but pretty funny. Okay, so, yeah, that's kind of what I watched and what you watched um, this weekend. Yes. And I guess with that, we should get to our movie of the week. Yes. Which, as we said before, is Thirst um, is the American name. It's a 2009 film from director Park Chan-wook. Um, it is also called, I'll probably say this wrong, Bakui. Um, that sounds literally right. means bat. Um, B-A-K-J-W-I in Korean. And um, it is a South Korean film based on a French novel, Therese Raquan, um, by Emily Zola, who, Emile Zola, I'm sorry, uh, Emile Zola. 
Um, and it um, won the jury prize at the 2009 Cannes Film Festival. And it is a vampire horror movie slash romantic comedy slash drama. Because um, South Korean cinema does not adhere to one genre. Um, uh, how did um, you feel about this movie, Britt? Um, just an overview before we get too into it. Um, I will say the first half was interesting. Yes. I found the middle half pretty boring in places myself. I love the third act. The final act was my favorite part of the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and cool. I thought it because I because also I will say so with Park Chamu and I know we'll go into that. So his actual mm-hmm. style of filmmaking is so tight, like especially like his yes. camera angles, his shots, oh his tracking gosh. shots. They're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes humor. Um, the humor, I can handle dark human, humor, I like dark humor, but I felt like it was the um, rhythm in that final act that the humor was, like, spot on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. The last and I, scene sequence. I love say, it. It's really funny. Oh, my yeah. God. That that final sequence is probably, if, if, if a movie has a strong finale, that's one of my, that's, like, one of my favorite things about movies is if they have strong finales. Um, yeah. And this was a very strong finale. Definitely. And, yeah. What yeah. about you? I really liked it. I um, watched it with a friend, and I started it way too late at night, like like at midnight. So um, I was kind of zoning in and out, and I felt really bad, and it was just because I was tired. Um, but it is kind of long, I will say. It's a bit longer than I anticipated. Um, but the second time I watched it, because since my power was out, the only thing I could do was watch stuff on my phone, so I decided to watch it. And I found it really funny. And there's a lot more stuff to get out of it the second time around. Um, And visually, it's just great. I really like the visuals. I mean, you can tell, like, the biggest thing about The Handmaiden, it is well acted and it's an interesting movie, but it's gorgeous. Yeah. And, um, because he also did The Handmaiden. And um, this movie is, like, the same way. There's just some shots, like, there's a shot where, like, it's a stark white room and someone's like on a blue couch and then there's like a blood splash across the white floor and it's yeah. just so striking and really beautiful and he frames stuff like there's another scene where um the main character is walking through a, a garden that's uh, like surrounded by like a stone fence like almost like a courtyard kind of thing and the way he framed the camera was like it's outside of the courtyard looking in but it slowly dollies in and zooms and it's just like so interesting yeah and he used a lot of archways and stuff because the main character is a catholic priest and so he used a lot of arches to like kind of give that church vibe and it's very interesting because then like towards the end of the movie you lose a lot of that imagery um because of how the character is changing as a person yeah and um there's a lot of color imagery like um there's another character who is very desperately manipulative and they wear the color blue a lot and apparently that's kind of symbolic of that kind of a person and yeah it's just interesting there's a character who gets paralyzed midway through the movie and they don't move anything but their eyes and the acting through their eyes is incredible and yeah it's just very interesting and um there is gore Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not as gory as I thought it was going to be. It's, but it's 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 kind of sprinkled throughout. 
I yeah, I would say it's definitely more than the gore. It's very it's sexual. Um, that's something I feel oh, like. Oh yes, and yes. I feel <laughs> like if you if you've seen a Handmaiden, that may be like a a kind of Park Chan Wook trademark is that his films have very graphic sex scenes. I would say yes. Th- I would say sensual. I'm, Sensual, maybe. Mm. No, I would say graphic. Yeah. I would say graphic. Incidentally. It got uncomfortably graphic. In his, yeah. One scene especially, I was like, do yeah. I was like, this is, I think I looked at my watch and I was like, I think this has been going on for like four or five minutes now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very realistic, too. And um, realistic, but like romanticized realistic. You know what's funny, though, is that out of the three Park Chan-wook's films I've seen being Oh Boy, Handmaid, The Handmaiden, and this one, I would say Oh Boy has the least amount of sex in it, incidentally. Yeah, it just has really one graphic scene. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, okay, and I also have to say this, just as my opinion, out of those three films, I feel like Thirst is the weakest of the three, but it's still a good movie. It's still a good movie. I think Handmaiden... I got a little bored with Handmaiden. Okay. It was a little too long. But I got bored with Fingersmith, too. Like I, okay. Because I tried to watch the miniseries, and I was like, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm a little bored. So I found it a little meandering. Mm-hmm. But it's really pretty. Yeah, it so, is gorgeous. Like, I mean, I need to sit down and watch The Handmaiden again, really. But, um, yeah. It was... I do think this one... Isn't as tight as the other two, mm-hmm. yet it's still really tight. Like, yeah. it's still Park Chan Wook. Yeah. So, when we say it's like his weakest of the three, it's still better um, than a lot of normal movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, I guess we'll get into a little bit of Park Chan Wook before we get into spoilers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he is probably best known for his Three Extremes trilogy of Old Boy, which is pretty much the best revenge movie on the planet. Yeah. It's perfection. Um, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance, which I think Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance are also on Hulu right now. I don't think Old Boy is. I'm not sure where Old Boy is streaming right now. It was on Shutter at some point, and it isn't on there right now, uh, which breaks my heart because like it's I've I've been wanting for us to cover Old yeah. Boy forever. Um, but this is a good one, yeah. and this is something that's underrated that people haven't seen as much. Exactly. Uh, this is something. Uh, thirst is in like everyone's like underrated south korean horror gems or underrated horror gems like everyone always talks about this movie but yeah um i had never gotten to see it um he has directed one english um language film called stoker yes um that has mia Wazakowska, mm-hmm. like from crimson peak and nicole kidman in it and the guy matthew literally right? from is Ma- that the guy from hellboy is that Matthew? No, uh, Matthew Lillard. What? Who is Matthew Lillard in? I remember he's in... Matthew Lillard is Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Is he? And he's in Scream. Is that who I'm thinking of that's in Stoker? No, I'm just... I like, don't know sh- if he is, but I'm pretty sure I looked it up, and it's the guy that plays the assistant to Hellboy, like the new guy. Oh, God. I'm you know him. that guy? Yeah. He hasn't been in a ton of stuff, but his face is really familiar. Um... But yeah, he's in it too. And it's more of like a... Oh, Matthew Good. I lied. Matthew, Matthew Good. Good. Matthew Good. Yes. Sorry, Matthew Lord. Matthew Good. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Matthew Lord. Matthew Lord. I do love Matthew Lord. Actually, he was surprisingly on a couple episodes of Twin Peaks Season 3 as like a small part, but I was like, Matt, and he was good. Oh, can you hear barking? Barely. Oh. Guzman's barking. Sorry, guys. He's a loud dog. Uh, <laughs> so my parents came over to help me. Because he's been a little bit kicked up. Um, 
But uh, was it Matthew Lillard was did like an actual dramatic role in Twin Peaks season three, and I was like, he was very good. And I was like, good for you, Matthew Lillard. Um, uh, Park Chan Wook in an interview said that he is the greatest horror fan who can't watch horror films. Um, this is from the Big Fanboy YouTube channel. It was from a San Diego Comic Con. Yes. Um, interview he did. He loves horror movies, but they get under his skin and affect him. So he just really doesn't watch him that much. And he also touts Alfred Hitchcock and Robert Aldridge, who did Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte, Kiss Me Deadly, and The Dirty Dozen as, like, his two favorite directors, especially in the horror genre. And I was like, you can see that influence, especially Hitchcock. Yeah. Like, this movie's very Hitchcockian. Um, And even Old Boy with, like, like, the passage of time and, like, the the transitions and things very much like um like dial m for murder um more old boy than anything else but there's a lot of hitchcockian stuff in this one too and like the character study of this interesting um movie and character um and like we said this movie is based on emily emile zola's novel therese rockin or raquin yeah um from 1867 now that movie does that book does not have vampires in it. Yeah, but um, the plot is similar. I would say probably from the middle of this movie to the end of it is about the same plot from what I read. Um, but you just throw vampires in it. Basically, <laughs> the yeah. intro to the movie is just from this movie itself. Um, but it was famously described as putrid and scandalous. Um, and, uh, there's, um, yeah, there, it's about a man who falls in love with his friend's wife and how they do some really terrible things and it kind of destroys them both. So, interestingly enough, or at least destroys their humanity, which I think would, is an interesting thing to throw vampires into. I will say while watching this movie with a friend, um, we both came to the conclusion that, um, this movie is like Twilight, but if Twilight was actually good and in Korean. That's kind of the vibes I get from this movie. It's, it's not as dark and moody as Twilight, but there's a part where, like, the hang on spider monkey thing kind of happens. Yeah. But it's handled way better. Like, it's, and they're adults, too. They're not children. So, I don't know. Did you get that vibe? Because that's kind of, like, what we both were joking about. I think um, I have a lot of commentary on vampires and stuff, but I, <laughs> I I think it's something also we see in a lot of vampire movies, and I, I, I can't remember if you had seen Interview with the Vampire or if you saw it and you yes, don't like I have. it. Okay, I you have. have. I couldn't remember. Um, but, it's like, so you know, bad. an Interview with the Vampire, spoiler alert, but it came out, like, 28 years ago at this point. Um but it's mm-hmm. kind of like, he's like, I want to be a vampire. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? I just told you this whole story. And then you have the same thing in this movie where people are like, I want to be vampires. And he's like, it literally sucks. Why do you want to yeah. be a vampire? Like, yeah. I mean, this movie does not portray it in a good light. No. Um, And I think that's a good thing about this movie. It's kind of like um, uh, Let the Right One In, mm-hmm. but um, a little less moody, I would say. Yeah. But... Um, and different, but um, there is a character that has that kind of revelation in Let the Right One In. So this one, I would say it's more like Twilight and Let the Right One In kind of smushed together with a really messed up romance in the middle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, also, by the way, uh, fun fact, it was the first Korean feature film made with both U- U.S. and Korean financial backing. Um, Focus Features 
helped financially back this movie, yes. which has backed a lot of really good movies that I love, um, including like the Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. It's a good adaptation. Oh, and Eternal Sunshine, um, The Spotless Mind. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and so many other ones. But I'm just like, I'm like that. I always remember the intro for some mm-hmm. reason with Focus and Pride and Prejudice. I don't know why. Um, probably because the music's so good in that adaptation. Like, yeah. The music is amazing in that adaptation. Um, also, it's the first Korean film with full frontal male nudity. Yes, that and- was shocking when I saw it. It's not like, in that scene, it's not, it's, it's not major, and it's only like for five or six seconds, but when you realize what he's doing in that scene, you're like, oh, like, it's sad. Oh, that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, should we get into characters and cast and stuff like that? Or was there anything else you want to say about the intro? Oh, just, um, and you probably saw this too. So I thought this was interesting. Um, so because Park Chan-woo is known for like his dark humor. Um, and he often takes on like very like brutal subject matter in most of his movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was raised Catholic, but now identifies as atheist. I thought that was really interesting, oh. especially going into this movie. I didn't know that. I didn't read that, but um, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, he's very accurate in the Catholic side of stuff, by the way. Um, yeah, I guess so we're going to start. It was written, by the way, by, not by Park Chan-wook. I thought um, he was a co-writer. It's a co-writer okay, yeah, yeah. kind of situation. Um, Jong Seo kyung mm-hmm. um, who also helped him write Joint Security, no, not Joint Security, Lady Vengeance and I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. Which I'm a Cyborg and it's okay, but that's okay, is more of a comedy, like a romantic comedy. And I think this movie kind of puts his vengeance movies and the comedies kind of together. Okay. Because um, apparently it's very lighthearted. I've seen a, a scene from it and it's like a lady shooting bullets out of her mouth, but in kind of a funny way. So like a machine gun. And it's kind of hysterical. And I was like, oh, that's what that movie is. All right, cool. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so um, let's get into the cast. We already mentioned Song Kang-ho. Um, he plays Sang Hyun, the main character, who is a hospital-assigned priest who was raised by priests after being orphaned to become a priest, which I was like, all right. It's very old-fashioned Catholic, but okay, checks out. Um, he volunteers to try a vaccine for a deadly disease. And um, has a failed transfusion and miraculously revives and discovers that his passion for helping others has kind of been replaced by his passion for more fleshy things. Um, it's a very interesting character. Um, Song Kang-ho is w- one of the best actors in the world. Um, he's in Parasite, The Host, Memories of Murder, and Snowpiercer. And I don't know, like, he's amazing. He's starting yes. to really be discovered to by the western world and i find that really refreshing then we've got kim Akbin or Akbin kim um who seems to do mostly tv series um including yuna's street children of a lesser god and currently this is like a current tv series in south korea dark hole no idea what it's about but i was like oh cool so she is still currently working um which is great because it's an older movie this movie's like you know, 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And she wow. was also only 22 at the time of this filming. Like, yeah, she was young. Cause I think, oh, wow. I think, um, both, uh, Song Kang Ho and then Kim, Hey, Suk, or no, not, uh, Kim, Ak, son of a bitch, uh, Shin Kayin, who's Kang Woo. I think they were both in like their late thirties when these movies were filmed. So she was like 17 years younger than her co-stars. 
Yeah, because he's like 54 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, she plays Taiju, um, who she was also an orphan um, raised by Mrs. Ra or Ray. I can't remember how they said her last name. Um, to basically marry her son. And uh, she hates her boorish husband and schemes to leave her life. Then we've got Kim Hae-suk, um, who was in The Handmaiden as another character, which I, mm-hmm. misses something or other, which I can't completely remember her. I thought I like she was her. the housekeeper that was kind of I like so. with the with the owner, but not with the owner. Like, it was implied they I were sleeping so. together. I think so. Um, but she does a lot of television, too, in Korea. Did you notice... I was laughing because I was like, did you see on her, on her IMBD that I was like, she plays this character's mom, this character's mom, this character's mom, this character's mom. she plays everybody's mom. Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, She plays Kangmoo's, she's Kangmoo's mother and she's the proprietor of a dress shop. She's very controlling and always thinks her child is dying, which is an interesting thing because at some point she says he has cancer, but he seems to be not having chemotherapy. So I'm not sure if that's really true. Um, and then we've got Shin Ha-kyun as Kang-woo, who is Taiju's bumbling husband, who's ill. Which he does seem kind of ill, but he kind of seems just like a baby. And then the last person that's, like, important is in Hwan Park as father, or priest Ro, um, who's sang priest father figure. Like, a, I think he's his adoptive father, um, but he's also a priest. And, um, yeah, those are really the most characters there's a couple like friend characters but they're not as important and i didn't really recognize them honestly for many things i was like "Eh, i don't think we need to go too far into it this is more about about four or five characters are really the main plot points um and this movie does occasionally speak in english too but not very often it's mostly just in korean but there are a couple instances where i was like am i understanding korean and then i was like oh no they're speaking english Duh. <laughs> so um, it's like that meme. Am I better than everyone? <laughs> did I just understand Korean? No, no, you did not. You did not at all. Um, so quick synopsis. Um, after volunteering for a vaccine trial to help his patients, a hospital priest finds himself craving the sins of the flesh and blood. And that's all I'm going to give you. Yes, um, that's perfect. That's what it's about. Get- yeah, I guess uh, we'll call spoilers now in case we get into it. I've been talking a lot. Why don't no, you start? No, you're good. Um, so we we open our movie and um, Sung Sung Hoon is that is that I feel bad. I want to make sure I pronounce his name right. Uh, I think it's Song Quin. Song Song Quin. And I, I always struggle, and I feel bad. Um, Song Win is a Catholic priest. Uh, so he, we see him. He's like Katie says. He's hired by the hospital. He's the priest for the hospital. He volunteers. He goes around mm-hmm. talking to people. He plays the recorder. Yes. for everybody. Which it's just the first time I've heard the recorder not just played hot cross buns. It actually sounds okay. Yeah, <laughs> I kept laughing that it was a recorder and not an actual flute. <laughs> It's it's like really really sweet, and you get the feeling like he's like a genuinely good person, but he kind of feels lost in the world and his life. And I, it, it comes back because we open with a scene of this patient who's talking. He's kind of like thinking he's about to die. He's like talking about how he gave some girls mm-hmm. um, bread one time, and he's like, "You think that's going to get me in heaven? You think God will remember that?" And he goes into a coma shortly afterwards. Well, um, 
Songwen is uh, because he's a good person because he doesn't feel like he's doing enough for these sick people. He volunteers to participate in this experiment to find a cure for this deadly Emmanuel virus. They call it EV. Um, they make a joke like it's the widow's disease because it only affects mm-hmm. men. It only kills men. Um, yeah. So, but he he is infected with the disease at this like facility. So he's like kind of off like in the corner of the world with these other people volunteer yeah and he gets it you go on i was gonna say when he when he is not sure if he's gonna get it he starts praying this prayer um and it's like let no one let like a leper let everyone avoid me let blah 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 and it's interesting it's his own prayer it's not a catholic prayer um it's not like a specific catholic prayer um but he starts saying this prayer and like how um he he's kind of explained to how the disease progresses and it's like you get boils and inflammation if it gets into your muscles and your lungs then you'll start coughing up blood and like drowning in your own blood kind of like tuberculosis like it's not you don't get boils from tuberculosis but a lot of times people like would cough up blood and he's this is the first gore is he's um playing his recorder and um he just starts like hemorrhaging blood out of his mouth and it's really really gross um but a good horror scene, I think. And he basically, like, dies. Yeah. And they're like, oh, too bad. But as they're trying to save him, they start giving him a blood transfusion. And um, all of a sudden, he starts praying his prayer again. Yeah. And he's alive. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And you see him leave the facility, and he's all bandaged up. And it's months later. Like, his face is covered. His hands are covered in bandages. He's wearing, like like the priest frock that looks like a dress yeah so not just like there so he's really covered up and um all these people like think he's like a miraculous um like a miracle man and they're all like you know kind of like like oh my god he's been cured it's a miracle and they're like kind of fanboying all over him and um uh yeah it's interesting so there's a whole religious aspect to that too because he is like a very nice priest he actually does genuinely care about people um like there's a woman in early on who's a nurse that works with him and i guess her boyfriend broke up with her and she's thinking about killing herself and he's like don't kill yourself um fuck him basically and she's like oh don't say that blah blah blah. Uh, but yeah i'll get better and but he's not like a total like i don't know he's not like a total religious prick because he's also like you know use science and you know take some antidepressants get better don't worry about him kind of thing. So he's a nice man. Um, and so it's sad that, like, you know, the vaccine doesn't work. But he's the only person out of the 50 people that volunteered to survive. Yeah. So um, he comes back and everyone's kind of treating him like a miracle. And he's kind of like, y'all, it's okay. Um, but also, um, I don't think he has skin sensitivity yet. He kind of slowly starts getting weird symptoms. Very slowly. It doesn't start out like right away which i think is interesting yeah so sorry you go ahead no you're good you're good um so because he they call him like the bandage priest and because he has all these like church girlers coming to him um people flock to him because like katie said mm-hmm. they're like oh my god like you know they pray to him they think of him as something like uh 
just like this miracle. And so he ends up having this lady coming to him. And she's like, my son is sick. My son is sick. And she knocks on a window outside while he's like doing a magic show for kids. Yeah. In the hospital. It's so funny. She is like desperate. (laughs) But she brings him back to her son's room. And she, he realizes that it's his childhood friend. And so Mrs. Ra is uh, his friend's Kang Wu's mother. Um, and then mm-hmm. Kang Wu is also married to Teju. And it turns out mm-hmm. that all three of them know each other as children. Teju was abandoned as a child. And Mrs. Ra uh, raised her. And I, I found this kind of like really unsettling. Almost like grooming. Oh yeah. Yeah because she's like marriage was easy. She just went from sleeping in my bed with me to sleeping in ta- uh, to uh, ta- uh, Kang, Ju's, Kang, Wu. Kang Wu's bed. Mm-hmm. And so like it's very unsettling. But he gets invited to the Maja events they have at their house weekly Mm -hmm. and so like he starts to become close with this family again that he was close to when he was a child essentially yeah Mm -hmm. um it's a very interesting way how how he figures out he's a vampire is that he start the boils from his illness start coming back and so it's not just like oh i have to feed on blood to satiate my hunger but it's also like if I don't want to die from the disease that I've already died from once, I have to keep drinking blood because that's the only way to keep it at bay. Um, and he kind of figures it out too because he's um, he's sensitive to sunlight. Like he wakes up one morning because he realizes that he's super attracted to Teju, and he, I think this is the scene we were talking about. He is aroused. And to punish himself for being aroused because he's a priest and they have to be celibate, he's, like, hitting himself uh, very hard. And it's very disturbing. Yeah. And I felt really bad for him. And that is something, like, uh, ancient Catholicism was cool with, like, corporal punishment. Like, flogging yourself and all that stuff. Uh, I've never been taught that's okay. So, uh, at least in the modern Catholic Church in America, they don't tell you to do that. I don't know how it is in South Korea. They could be stricter or just more old-fashioned. I don't know. But that's something that, you know, you're not really allowed to tell people that it's okay to hit yourself in penance. Um, But also, like, he's repressed. Yeah. He's very repressed. And, in fact, when he and Teju get closer, he says, I've never even kissed a girl before. Because, basically, the priests that were raising him were raising him to be a priest and didn't let him ever, like, have a childhood, it seems like. Like, I mean, most people if they go into the priesthood, are encouraged to try to the dating world before they go into the seminary just to make sure it's something they really want. Um, in fact, I don't know any priests that, like, don't have a story about, like, yeah, I was, like, one of my favorite priests in high school, Father Razzle, was like, we're like, oh, did you ever, like, date anybody who's like, yes, I had a very serious girlfriend before I joined the seminary. And I was, we were all like, oh, my God. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. So I don't know. I guess I guess God won. Yeah, but um, was, I was like, that's so sad. Cause he's such a nice guy, but I mean, maybe I hope she's happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's very. I I was like, I was just like, wow, it's like the worst kind of thing. So he's got this repression, and he's trying very hard not to kill people. Yeah. So the patient from before is in a coma now, and he starts drinking his blood. Um, just to um, 
get by. And I like this. I like that part, too, because he... So, like, Katie says it's, like, a really slow, light thing. So, it's, like, he accident... He, um, there's, like, a car crash victim. He's dying. He's giving her last rites, and he, like, Mm -hmm. licks, like, the blood that he gets off his face, on his face from her. But then he, he drinks from, like, the comatose patients, but then he's, like, oh, my God, this is so fucked up. And he tries to commit suicide by jumping out a window. Yes. And he lands on the car. It, yeah, he lands on the car and destroys it, and it just gets back up. Like, oh fuck! Walks away. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> it is. It's so funny. Like that's why I like about this movie, especially like the second time I watched it. It's like there's a lot of humor spread in, but it's pretty pretty real. Was like it's like what else would you do in that situation? But you feel so bad because he just wants to help people, but he's convinced that he will not kill somebody um, just to drink blood. Yeah. Um. And so you know. Because we got this added effect of the EV will return if he doesn't um, drink blood, he starts, you know, trying to, you know, just, like, on the down low, kind of drink that blood. Um, but so, he he gets to know Teju a little bit more. She starts to like him as well. She um, hates her husband. Her mother-in-law is very mean to her. Um, and she has to, like, work in her mother-in-law's shop. Mother-in-law slash mother, like it's really creepy. Her husband's like quote unquote sick all the time, um, but I don't know. He, again, he doesn't really seem to be that sick. He's just like sickly, um, and he's just kind of a baby. And his mom babies him all the time, treats him like a child. And to kind of escape, she goes for jogs in the middle of the night, and she calls it sleepwalking. But really, she just like freaking hates her life and wants to um, get out of the way. And she's jogging one night, and Sangyun finds her, and she's jogging barefoot, and she just sees him in the street, and she, like, is, like, embarrassed because she's in her nightgown, and she kind of, like, covers herself up and starts walking away, and then he just, like, picks her up like she's nothing and puts his shoes on her feet. Yeah. And then just walks away, and she's like, oh, that was weird. Anyways, they start having an affair, and it starts slowly but surely, um, it's very funny, the first time they try to have sex, like, they get, like, right to it. And again, he's never had physical uh, contact of a sexual nature with anyone ever before, so it's a big deal for him. Well, right when they get to it, like, her mother-in-law's like, where are you, Teju? And she just has to, he's like, oh my god, and, like, has to go back upstairs. And he used to crawl up the wall and go through a window and pretend he was just in the bathroom the whole time. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, and basically, um, he... The only other person he's told that he's a vampire, Sanghyun, um, is his father figure, um, who at first is like, oh, here, like, he does this really cool scene where he, like, cuts open his chest so he can feel his beating heart because he's blind. Yeah. And, because he obviously can't feel anything else, or he can't see it, so he, you know, to prove that he's a vampire, and then, um, because he's blind, he eventually requests him to give him some vampire blood so he'll heal, um, but instead, I think it's more, I think it's more that he doesn't want his father figure, one, he doesn't want his father figure to be caught in this vampiric lifestyle because it's not good. Two, I think he is very angry with him for how much he repressed him as a child and how much he punished him. Like, she sees, Teju sees him punishing himself with like physically when they're about to get down to business 
And she, like, stops him, and I think he realizes, like, wow, I've been, like, taught all these, like, things that are just really repressive and not good. And, I mean, like, there's a whole discussion about religion and, like, chastity versus, like, purity kind of stuff. Like, I I do think, quote-unquote, purity culture's, no offense if you're in it, but it's pretty toxic to young children. But there is, like, there's a way of being, quote-unquote, chaste that isn't as repressive, like, being realistically chaste. Like, uh, growing up, going to Catholic school, I didn't have a lot of priests that felt this way. But I remember there was this priest that was like, if you kiss someone passionately before you're married, it's a sin, kids. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you define passionately? Like, I don't understand. Like, you have to, like, I mean, people can't just be robots. We have feelings and sex drives. Like, come on. But when you repress sexuality that much in a child... Like, it is going to come out in a very adverse way. And, like, you can't do that to a kid. Even if it is, you know, quote-unquote good to wait for certain things. That's fine, but you can't wait for everything. You know what I mean? Um, But so, I think it's about that, but he ends up killing his mentor with a wine cork that he straightens because he's very strong because he's a vampire and drinking his blood. And that's really the first person he really kills. Yeah. And he feels awful about it and he kind of runs away from the monastery he moves in to um the house where teju and her husband and her mother-in-law live um basically just so he and teju can continue their affair and they do have this very steamy scene in the hospital um it's very but it was like four minutes long it's like a very long sex scene yeah um, but that's when she also finds out that he is a vampire in that scene yes yeah, and, and she's not okay with it at first. Yeah, she's very rational. Like, I will give it to her because he's she have sex. And, you know, she's like, oh, is this supposed to feel this good? And he's like, oh, I don't want to keep secrets from you. And then he goes to the patient next to the bed because he's like, we can have sex in here. This this guy's in a coma. He doesn't say it like that. But he starts drinking the guy's blood, and she's like, what the fuck? And she just leaves. Yeah. Like, she just, and I'm like, and that is a it's realistic re- reaction. Yeah. So. And he ends up, like, they kind of, like, you know, start to um, come to terms with it. And he takes her jumping from building to building at night, which is funny. Like, they're laughing. It's fun. The, the wire work is really good. There's a lot of wire work in this movie. Like, it's not... There is some CGI, which I think is maybe a not great part mm-hmm. of this movie. Yes. Is the CGI. But they use a lot of wires to, like, show them, like, jumping. Because it's more of, like... Not that they don't have vampires that fly or jump or whatever in American vampire culture... But I feel like I, you see it more in, like, they're more crawling, mm-hmm. whereas these are, like, jumping vampires, which they're, I think is more of a Korean-Asian vampire kind of thing. Yeah, they're very eloquent. And I think, you know what, um, for Stephanie, who's out there probably listening, my friend Stephanie actually, like, remembers as a child watching this Asian, like, vampire movie late at night, and the vampires jumped. Like, they would jump, mm-hmm. like, they hop. And she talks about this sometimes. And, like, they looked it up, and it is actually a thing in, like, Asian culture to have, like, jumping Yeah, vampires. that's what the friend I was watching it with mentioned. It. Yeah. Like, oh, he was like, oh, it's, like, jumping vampires. And I was like, huh? Okay. Because I've seen it vaguely, but not often. But they do it really well. It's not silly. And there's, in this like, scene also, she says something which I... I I think it makes sense for the character, but I still kind of laugh. She was like, I didn't know vampires were so cute. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you're like a child. Um, yeah, she is. But it makes sense um, because she's also repressed in a different kind of way than he was, but still repressed. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's sad. So, um, anyways, so Teishu says, tells Sang Hu that, um, she's being abused by Kang Wu and she is stabbing herself in her thighs, Ugh. just like he hits himself. And, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, he hits me sometimes. So he thinks she's being abused. So she and he come up with a plan to drown him in, in this lake that their cop buddy lets them fish in at night. Um, he's like, only at night, which is convenient since he's a vampire. Um, so they end up drowning him and then kind of staging that they tried to save him and that she got hurt on the way um, to try to save him. And she ends up in the hospital. And there's this scene where her... Her friend, who is Filipino, so she speaks English, so she doesn't speak a lot of Korean. And she's married to her husband's friend, who only speaks Korean. So it's interesting. They've got, like, kind of a... She seems like a mail-order bride kind of situation. She doesn't seem... She seems way, way out of his league. Let's just put it that way. Um, And she's... But she's very sweet, and she's, like, um, trying to pray with... She's with Sang-Hyu. She's like, please pray over for Teju. She's my only friend, which was so sweet yeah. and so sad for a later scene. She's like, she's my only friend here because she moved from the Philippines to Korea or South Korea. And he starts praying. But again, she doesn't speak a lot of Korean. So he starts, she starts a regular prayer. And then he like, like starts like basically just telling her like, hey, like, let's just not see each other for a few months, and then we'll, like, start living together, and it'll be great, and blah, 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 and just, here's the story to tell the cops, and blah, 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 and, like, her, her friend has no idea. She's Aww. like, amen! And you're like, oh, poor girl. So, they they kind of, like, go through all the the morning. Mrs. Ra, like, gets super depressed and starts drinking constantly, and she eventually, like, becomes paralyzed like has a stroke and becomes paralyzed and can only speak to her eyes um at the same time and this apparently is in the book where it's very hallucinogenic um they start um teju and um sang you start having um terrifying visions of kang Wu. it's kind of funny like they're very comical like they're having sex and he's like in the middle of them yes like with the rock that he was drowned with on top of him um also they've put his corpse in the closet he says so like they're right there like he's there the whole time oh no he's also psychologically there the whole time this is what actually i didn't understand so he says there's a house at the bottom of the lake and he put him in a cabinet in the house and put a rock on top of the cabinet so he He did but then he took him back out and brought him to their house he did okay i missed that part that is fucked up i it took until the second one okay (laughs) second time i saw it because he says that, he's like, there was a town in the middle of the lake, which actually, there's a town in Alabama that, that there's Smith Lake in Alabama. There's a town under I it. I didn't know that. They, they flooded it for, to have a water source. Oh, wow. I, did, I used to date somebody who lived in that area, and they told me that, and I was like, that's fricked up. Especially because I've been, like, to that lake, like, on a vacation. But I didn't swim in the lake, I swam in the pool where the lake condo was and i was like that's weird there's a town underneath that so it does happen um but yeah so he he tells his before he kills his um father figure he like is like well and then i took him back up and i put him in a closet in the house and you're like that's <gasps> fucked up that's messed up he did say that but then like maybe it's also a hallucination i don't know it's yeah but again like they're not super clear what is a hallucination what isn't and that's kind of the, in the book they're not sure if they actually killed him or not and the police never find a body so you're not 100 percent sure if he's dead or not um but he probably is 
Um, but they start having hallucinations of him just, like, showing up and, like, haunting them. And eventually, um, Taiju, like, um, and he are, like, kind of, like, having a rough time. And she accidentally lets it slip that, okay, oh, because they start slapping each other. And she's like, ooh, I'm so, like, she's happy that he's slapping her. And she's like, Kang Wu never hit me. And he's like, what the hell? Because he only killed him because he thought he was, he thought he was abusing her. Yeah. And but they're doing all of this in front of the paralyzed mom. And she's like, like, she is watching everything. And um, they basically start breaking down as a couple. And um, he, she begs him to kill her so she can be back with Kang Wu because she's so miserable. And he kills her. And then feeds her his blood in front of the mom and so now she's a vampire too which was an ultimate mistake because she's the worst kind of vampire she is chaotic evil yeah well she's chaotic neutral i'd say she's chaotic neutral she becomes chaotic evil yeah but she is just absolute she just wants to kill everybody and um she's just awful she's he's like how many people are gonna satisfy she's like i don't know 500 humans are so stupid and he's just like what the hell's wrong with you um, and so it's, it's kind of like an ethical dilemma. I think it's interesting, too, this trajectory that the characters are on. Because it's like he becomes really good. And then because he becomes a vampire, it's like his beliefs start to get questioned. And, like, the lines yes. start to blur. And then she becomes a yes. vampire and all hell breaks loose. So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, hear me out. It kind of reminds me in a Macbeth, in a way, how these characters cross. Yes. In a, yes. Yeah. It's very Macbeth. Mm-hmm. It's very Macbeth. She kind of pushes him to do something he's not comfortable with doing by making him feel bad about it. And then when he joins her, she ends up, like, not being who he thought she was. Yeah. Um, and she kind of goes crazy with it. And, you know, she's just awful. She's also, like, there's this one scene. It's a really cool scene where she just, like, fakes getting into a car crash. Like, she just jumps in front of a car. This guy comes out to help. He's like, oh, my God. And she just throws him over a wall and just jumps over the wall to eat him. And it's like, what the hell? It's great. I like it because right funny. before he hits her, too, she waves at the car. She's like, hi. Yeah. And he just hits it's her really, full force. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. And it's good wire work, too. So it's interesting to watch. Um, but so basically, they have their friends over for Mahjong. And they're not really, like, nobody knows they're dating, by the way, the whole time. But they're all living there. And the mother-in-law, this is a great sequence. This is one of the really good sequences happens. Um, They first, they figure out she's also getting the disease if she doesn't drink blood. And um, that's one of the reasons why she starts killing. But then she just loves it so much. They painted their house to be, like, white. Mm -hmm. um, Like sunlight, since they can't go out in the sun anymore. And, um... They have their friends over, um, the lady from the Philippines and her husband, and then their friend who's the cop, and they're playing Mahjong, um, and, um, the mother starts, um, talking through the Mahjong tiles, and she spells out KLD, and they're all trying to figure out, and they're like, killed? Who was killed? And then she, like, uses her eyes to look at, um, the picture of her son, and then looks at the two murderers and they finally figure out and they're like wait no they didn't kill them and then they figure out like oh there's no way we're getting out this is it and um, this is i really liked this part it was really shocking um the cop starts talking to teju 
as Sang-Hyu like, starts going around just closing all the blinds. Because yeah. they're like, oh, no one can see us do some murders. Um, and she just punches his head so hard that it just, it's like a rock'em sock'em robot, but backwards. Just springs yeah. back and breaks his neck in half, which is a really cool effect. He was like a rubber man. I was like, oh my god. But it's really shocking. Yeah. Because they're just talking and she's just like, they're so powerful. Um, and she, then they, they kill the other guy and then, um, which is like, um, which is Evelyn's husband and which I'm, yeah, he Evelyn, had it, Evelyn, that's her name. He had it coming though, because he tried to abandon Evelyn because he tried to get out the bathroom yeah. window. And I was like, well, yeah, he locks you. himself in the bathroom and locks her out. And they, at first they just tie Evelyn up. I love what happens to Evelyn because they tie her up and then sang kind of distracts, um, Taiju and is like. Hey, you gotta. The other two are dead, so their blood's not flowing, so you won't be able to drink their blood. But if we cut off their ankles and hang them up over the bathtub, we can get their blood. Um, which is how the ice truck killer killed people in the first season of Dexter, by the way. And um, when she goes downstairs to get a saw, he's already drinking Evelyn dry, and she's passed out and presumably dead. And, oh, my God, Gizmo's, so my parents brought Gizmo back in. He's sitting at the door waiting for them to let him out. Oh. It's too cute. Gizmo, it's okay, Bubba. It's okay, Bubba. You want to come up here? You want to come up here, Mommy? No? Okay. That's fine. Sorry. So, oh, Evelyn is, quote, unquote, presumably dead. And um, they kind of um, decide, well, we've got to leave now. Also, the, you, the family sees the dead body. The friends see the dead body in the closet. And... They um, start driving away with the mother-in-law because they're like, we can't stay here. Um, you see Evelyn, after they left the house, wake back up. So she's not dead. Yeah. They He just made it look like he had killed her. It's great. I love it. Um, so Evelyn gets away. Yeah, Evelyn was a good person, so I'm glad Evelyn gets away. But they, this is, do you want to go through the sequence? Because this is a great sequence. Yeah, I, I feel, I hope I don't leave anything out. So yeah, I, I love it. So they drive for the night, and he makes sure to stop at the camp, because there's the camp of people who were worshipping him. And he sets it up, he makes it look like he, he rapes a girl. Um, and this is the same with full frontal nudity, because she screams, it alerts the other camp, uh, the campers, and they... Oh, they, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. and it, You're so right. No, you're good, you're good. And they shine the light on him, and he stands up, and he's, like, fully naked. And because they see him as an attempted rapist, they chase him away, but it also... it They no longer see him as, like, a savior anymore. Yes. So it's like, us. he's trying to right the wrongs he believes he has done too which i really really like which is why he lets evelyn go which is why he sets up to look like he tried to rape the girl mm-hmm. and they just drive for the night drive for the night drive for the night and J- uh Teju falls asleep in the front seat well as they uh he reaches like this kind of empty field overlooking the sea and um she wakes up and she looks all around and there's nothing for miles and miles and miles and so nope, she's like, no oh, trees, shit. No shade. Yeah, there's no shade. Nothing. So she's, like, trying to get shade. And there's, like, all these phenomenal things she does. So she uh, first tries to, like, get in the trunk. And, like, and she tries to pull him in the trunk with her. And they, she shuts the trunk door and he kicks the trunk. And so then, like, yeah. she brings the trunk back and tries to cover herself up. And he takes the trunk and, like, throws it into the sea, like, the lid of the trunk. Uh-huh. And then she, like, lays under the car. And he literally physically moves the car. And it's just, like, everything she mm-hmm. d- tries to do, he farts her attempt. And I actually really like this part. Because then he puts a cell phone under, like, Mrs. Ross' hand, too. 
Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, he's basically, like, looks at her and is like, you know, this is, this is our fate. Like, he's letting her know, mm-hmm. like, she has to be resigned to her fate. Like, there's no getting out of this. And so, he sits on the hood of the car and she joins him. And this is actually a really touching moment in this movie. Because she takes off her shoes and she puts on the shoes that he gave her. Um, I know. I love so sweet. I love that scene. And so they, they're reassigned to their fate together. And they literally burn to a crisp as the sun comes up. Yeah. And Mrs. Ross. And also, yeah. like, there is a weird CGI moment where, like, the sea is red and there's, like, demon dragons. That was weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But other than that, it's a pretty good scene. Yeah. And it's it's really good. And it feels, like, fitting because I, what I love is there's a lot. It's, it's desperation because she's doing everything to try to survive and there's no way to survive. So it's, like, desperation, but it's funny at the same time. Yes. It's very funny. It's very funny. And it's bittersweet. But, um, yeah. But I love that third act of the film. I feel like when Teju becomes a vampire, it kind of re mm-hmm. reinvigorates that final act of the yes, movie. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think we really mentioned, like, how good... We mentioned The Wires, but also... Um, Gizmo got a squeaky toy out. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> why did you get the squeaky one? I have so many other ones. Um, but there's also a lot of... There's a lot of... Um, work where like teju lifts up yes mrs ray and walks around with her and there's like stuff like that where like obviously it was a lot of really cool like um physical tricks um with camera work and stuff like that or like you know making things out of cardboard that look like they're not they're much heavier kind of stuff like that kind of stuff is really cool in this movie and the whole last sequence where they're like throwing the car around you can't really see where the cuts are or at least they're not super obvious so it's very fun to watch because like it's not i don't know it's not cg'd like you would think it would have to be like if if twilight did a comedic scene like this they would have computer generated it and it would look like shit and we would have all laughed at it but like it's funny on purpose because, like, they're controlling it. And I think that's the best part. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought that was a really cool effect, too. But, yeah, I think it ends as it should end. They're both turned into monsters, and they gotta end it or be monsters. So, I find it really good. So, um, yeah. So, I find I think it's a good ending. It is funny. Yeah. It's not super depressing. And, yeah, I really liked it. Um, Yeah. Um, was there anything, anything negative or positive about it that we didn't mention? Um, I, once again, and I think this is just, um, and I'm so sorry, I'm like losing my, you're you're losing my train of thought. Uh, I, what I think it's like just a part of Park Chan-wook is that he does have very strong visuals in his films. Yes. Um, so, like I said, I think earlier, is that, like, his camera work is so tight. And um, he really knows how mm-hmm. to frame a shot. And I love that. And his use of color is really, really beautiful. Like, there is, I meant to write it down, but there is an actual scene in this movie, like, the ceiling's red and there's a white light. And that's, like, actually a, yeah. a recreation of a painting or a, a very famous painting or photograph. So, he has, like, these really cool, strong visuals um, in his films. I just, I think the biggest thing is that it... it 
it had a kind of, okay, like when I first started watching this movie, I was like, and he's a priest, and he's volunteering for an experiment, and he's a vampire. It didn't feel like, I I didn't really feel connected to the movie, but then by the mm. end of the movie, it felt solid. Like, it just felt like it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a ride getting to that solid piece at the end. See, and I liked the beginning, but then, like, the middle mm-hmm. was kind of, eh. And then the end was really yeah. good. So when I rewatched it, it ended up being really interesting. Um, but yeah, I will say, like, I, I fast forward through a little bit of the middle part because I was just like, eh, it's a little long. I would say it's a little long. It drags in certain pieces. I actually got frustrated in between when they start their affair mm-hmm. and she becomes a vampire. Yeah. That's. That part drug on. I would agree with that. Um, I think it's very interesting how he picks his source materials, too, because Old Boy was a, a Japan. I believe Old Boy was a Japanese manga. I know absolutely for a fact Old Boy was a, a comic a series. And then, obviously, The Handmaiden was based on a book. And, obviously, this was based on a book from the 18, 1800s. So, I, I kind of wonder why he decided to pick up Therese Rockin out of all books and try to adapt yeah. it. And adapt it from mainly the Mel's point of view, too. Yeah. Yes, it's from his point of view, but I think he gave Teju enough yeah. that it wasn't one-sided. Like, you saw her side of stuff, too, once she came into the story. She just came into the story later. And, I mean, I thought I thought it was going to be more of a struggle of faith, and it was a little bit. Also, we totally forgot to mention, he flies in front of, like, the, the like, people outside the oh, um, vaccine clinic at one point. And they're like, oh, I forgot about that. yeah, I forgot about that, too. I was like, y'all, we do not need to fly in front of these people. They already think you're a miracle person. Which I guess it kind of is a miracle. Yeah. It is. But it's also like, you know, you know, what kind of a miracle is it? Um, I do think the performances are really good, yeah. too. Um, and one of the, you know, the guy that played the husband of Evelyn, he looked like one of the guys from Old Boy, and I forgot to look that up. Um, but, um, yeah, everybody was good. Nobody was, you know, bad. Um, everybody was, oh, it is, I think it is the same guy. It is the same guy. Okay, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. Um, sorry. I just couldn't remember until just now. Um, oh, Dalso, oh, Dasu, um, was the guy whose teeth get ripped out in Old Boy. Okay. And who also loses his thumb, something, finger, mm. yeah, mm, something, an old boy. And he's and he apparently also dubbed the voice of the monster and the host. Oh, wow. Huh. Interesting. Anyways, I'm sorry. I just realized who uh, Evelyn's husband is. Um, but he did a really good job because I was like, I was like, he seemed like a sleazy asshole. Um, and then um, I'm glad Ele- Evelyn was able to escape his clutches or whatever. Um but, yeah, I think everyone did a really good job. I really like the performances. I think it was nice to see Song Kang-ho in, I mean, in, again, this was 10-plus years ago, but, like, in a younger role where he's a romantic lead but a believable romantic yeah. lead. Like, he's not, like, super sexy man, but he's 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 attractive. Yeah, he's cute. And you can see why someone would, he is very cute for a vampire. You know, like, you can see why Teju would be attracted to him. Um, because a lot of his roles that I've seen is he's kind of a bumbling person. Exactly. Like the host, he's kind of a bumbling father, and Parasite, he's kind of a bumbling father. 
And it's not really, I mean, I don't know. Have you seen, um, you saw Snowpiercer. I don't think he's much of a, he's like a more supporting role in Snowpiercer, right? I actually haven't seen Snowpiercer. Oh, okay. <laughs> but like one usually, of those, usually. It's on my list. Anytime, yeah, but. it's actually one of my movies I was planning to watch this coming week. Um, but, yeah, usually every time I, I mention him, someone goes, Snowpiercer. So I know, like, obviously he yeah. made an impression in Snowpiercer to a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, that's the Bong Joon-ho movie I saw before I saw Parasite. Because yes. I haven't watched any of his other movies. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky to see Host before. I mean, I heard of the Host a long time before. And I'm glad we've seen Memories of a Murder, too. Because, you know, but Park Chan-wook, old boy, uh, and I will say yourmoviesucks.org got me into old boy because they do a fantastic breakdown of how good the original movie is versus how bad the Spike Lee version is. And not that Spike Lee's a bad director. Uh, Black Klansman was great. But it seems like Spike Lee did not care about Old Boy when he was remaking it. It seemed like it was kind of, like, just a job for him. And I think he's one of those people that creatively does much better if he's inspired. Yeah. You know, as all, we all do, but I don't think he's one of those people that can half-ass things well, and still have it be really competent. Um, it's just really sloppy, and, like, the parts about Old Boy that make it strong are just not good. And I think Park Chan-wook's been very quiet about his opinion on the remake of Old Boy, because I don't think he's a disrespectful person, but I don't think he's seen it either. I... From the last interview I saw with him that was mentioned uh, about it. I'll... But that's where I got into watching old boy and I ended up loving it and making my ex-boyfriend watch it I got a shutter subscription just so I could watch old boy and make other people watch it yeah because it's so good and I'll be honest so when we and me and Katie will reference this every so often so Bravo's top 100 movie moments when I was a kid I remember the old old boy scene being on that list which was also a major fucking spoiler alert for the movie is yes. It, is Old Boy yes. on that list? Yes, it is. And maybe I'm making it up completely, but I could have sworn okay, it was like Eli Roth or something that was like, and they bring him out the fucking photo book, and it's pictures of his daughter growing oh, up. Oh, no, it's it's the sequel, okay. 30 Even Scary okay. Movie Moments. Okay, because that one also had um, Play Misty for Me, which was where I heard about Play Misty for okay. Me. Was it Eli Roth that said it? Because I'm not surprised. I really Eli feel Roth. like it was Eli Roth. Mm-hmm. It was like either, and I know Rob Zombie was on there too, but I don't feel like it was Rob Zombie. Yeah. I feel like it was like, I know it was like a young white guy that was like, and did they hand him the photo <laughs> album? And like, goes like, yeah, yeah, totally sick, man. Yeah. Awesome. And he takes a pair of scissors and he's like, fucking, you know. Cuts his freaking tongue off. Yeah. Sorry. I'm. I don't hate Eli Roth, but I don't really like him either. <laughs> he just, I mean, I just watch Hostel or, like, Cabin Fever, and I'm just like, cool concept, brah, but why did you have to make it so brotastic and just, like, I don't know, just meaningless? He just turns cool concepts into, like, meaningless gore fests. I mean, like, I like gore too, but I feel like Quentin Tarantino does the same thing with, like, Kill Bill and all the blood everywhere. But he does it in a way that's still fun. Yeah. So sorry. I went on a Rob Zombie Eli Roth. You're good. <laughs> so did you have a rating in the Grindhousey Girl rating? Uh yes. I did. Um let's see. I did. Um I only because it's long. Mm, you know, I said seven point five out of ten. I wanna give it an eight though. 
But I think I'm going to hit 7.5 because it's a little long. Yeah. Yeah. But well done. Like, this movie's so good. But I will say, I think because it's so long, it's not like a casual watch. I think it's a good... Give yourself some time to watch this one. But it doesn't drag a lot. Just kind of in the middle a little bit, but it's still not dragging as long as other ones are. But I'm pretty sure Old Boy is almost as long as the movie, and it never felt like it drug. So, I don't know. It's still good. What did you give it? I, too, gave it a 7.5, so. Hey! So, yeah. We're on the same page this week. Yes, yes. <laughs> Complete opposite of last week. Yes. That's okay. So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh-oh. It's it's a beautifully shot movie. It's pretty well acted. Um, I just think the script had some lulls. Um, and I just think it's, I mean, yeah. it's a good movie. Good movie. I just don't see it in yes. my my personal lineup of what I consider like horror classics. Yes. I'm glad I saw it yeah. though. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting take on vampire movies and it's an interesting take on um just horror movies in general. Um I think it's it's good. I really really like it and I think I think people should watch it especially if they've seen like Old Boy um but they just haven't seen any more Park Chan-wooks. I think this is not too crazy to watch. Um, or if you like vampire movies. If you like Let the Right One In, I think you should definitely watch this movie. Because mm. Let the Right One In is much more moody. But I feel like it kind of gives off a similar vibe. Just with children, not adults. Um, and obviously this one's way more horny. Yeah. It's a very sexual movie. Um, which I did not realize. I feel like they could have you know, cut down some of the sex scenes. But I think that's the draw of this movie is it's very sexual. Well, I will say... Um, and same thing with Handmaiden. I, yeah, too. I will say this, and I'll make this very quickly. Um, so Alan Ball, who created True Blood and did one of my favorite series ever, yes. Six Feet Under, he said vampires are a metaphor for sex, and I've always agreed with that statement. Um, so it, I will say if you're going to have some kind of monster that is incredibly sexy and horny, it's definitely going to be a vampire. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they literally pierce the skin and draw blood. Hello. Yeah. So. There's not really a vampire story I can think of that doesn't have some kind of sexual seduction kind yeah. of thing. Except for maybe Let the Right One In. But you got the pedophile character. Yeah. And Let the Right One In. Who, it's it's not that the vampire's seducing him, but she, uh, they're using their sexuality to get something out of this yeah. pedophilic person. And I would say it's arguably that it's an emotional seduction too because she seduces mm-hmm. a lonely boy um, by becoming his friend. It's just not sexual in nature. So, But there is like a sense of longing. It's just like before you hit puberty and you have a sense of longing but you don't understand yeah. what it is. Um, oh yeah. Did you have a grindhouse girl rating for this one? I did. I did. I, um, I had, I had, like, a silly one. I had two silly ones and one that I actually like. Um, rated F for Forgive Me, Father. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And then, um, rated V for Vampiric Symptoms and Venomous Spouses. Yeah. And then rated J for Jaded Wives and Jumping Vampires. That's cute, too. Um, I had something a lot more simpler. I had S for Shoes and Sunrises. Oh, that's cute, too. Yeah, but I like F. I like rated F. You like Mm -hmm. F? Yeah. (laughs) That was the one I was like, it's silly. I like it. Uh, 
Disney yep, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I think we both recommend this movie. Yeah. If you if you want to add to your horror collection of films that you've um, watched, it's definitely an experience. But um, yeah, I would say if you're gonna watch Park Chan Wook and you've never seen any of his, start with Old Boy. For sure. Yeah. Handmaiden's great too, but I still think Old Boy is the strongest out of all yeah, of them. Yeah, definitely. That I've seen. Definitely. Because Handmaiden, again, kind of goes on a little bit, in my opinion. And it's... Well, you know what? It does have some very explicit sex scenes, but they are, like, spread out. Yeah. Throughout the movie. It's not... It's kind of like this movie. This movie is, like, it's it spreads it out, and it kind of, like, once it's done it, it kind of, like, goes off. Unlike True Blood, which the whole first season is just people being naked. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of shows though because uh, Banshee was similar. It's an HBO thing. Well, ba- HBO does it with most of the Banshee was too like that though. Our, our, the Cinemax and show, Game of Thrones. yeah, Game of Thrones was really yeah. really bad about sex position. Yeah. So, but I think True Blood. I wasn't as my mom because my mom watched Game of Thrones before I did, and she was like, "Katie, it's really good, but there's a lot of sex in it." She's very cute. And I was like, I was like, well, it's an HBO show, Mom. And she's like, oh, really? I was like, oh, all of True Blood, the first two seasons, is just everybody's naked. And then once you get locked into those characters, they start spreading out the sex yes. scenes because they're like, now we got you. Hooked. Exactly. You think you're going to see naked people, but now you get some plot, and that plot is hot. Just kidding. Um, but um, yeah, but yeah, that's it's kind of an HBO thing. But this movie, it, it is very intense sexually but it's not the whole movie exactly and i almost like forget about i kind of forgot when we were going through the plot i was like oh yeah and they have a really intense sex scene Ah, it's in there somewhere um but yeah not as unsettling though as the piano teacher piano teacher's sex scenes are extremely unsettling um so at least i wasn't unsettled by this one um but yeah recommend definitely um so it is your turn to choose what we will watch next. And we're actually going to take a brief, brief pause right here. Okay, Brittany, it is your turn to pick the movie. Hey, Yay! yeah. So, um, in, in lieu of uh, Pride Month this month, um, I actually reached out to my good friend Lydia, and um, she put me in touch with her husband, husband Hudson. And uh, Hudson's awesome. Um, I haven't really got to talk to him in person, but he's a really cool guy, and um, he's a big movie lover. So I already am thinking, Katie, we're going to have him as a guest on the show in the future. Um, okay. Yeah, because he has some really, just our conversation a little bit about this um, gave me a lot of insight. And I was like, yeah, you got some really awesome things. But the very first movie he brought up was actually a movie me and Katie had talked about last week, which was the um, 2013 French film uh, Stranger by the Lake. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I didn't think that was streaming. And he gave me a really, uh, cool streaming, streaming service called Canopy. It's K-A-N-O-P-Y. And he said, if you have a library card or a, a student-like card, like from a university, you can usually sign up for this streaming service for free. Uh, Katie Check, she found it on a, um, yes. it's called Strand Relief. Re- Strand okay. Releasing, S-T-R-A-N-D Releasing. Uh, it's a prime video channel. Apparently, they are a distributor of foreign and documentary films in America. 
um, and they have a Prime channel, um, so you can do a seven-day free trial if you want to watch the movie on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, it's an interesting film that it's like a murder mystery. My and that's why I was like, I don't know if it's going to be ruining the plot to 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 say what happens, but I I did get like I guess the beginning of the movie ruined for me. But um, I can tell you what okay. um, the official, like, IMBD plot is. Frenick falls in love with Michael, or Mikkel, an attractive, potent, and lethally dangerous man. And I'm maybe Ooh. mispronouncing the French equivalents of those names wrong, so I'm sorry if I am. But, so, yeah, it seems, it, it has, um, we know Rotten Tomatoes can be wrong sometimes, but it has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has a three and a half star on RogerEbert.com, which are both pretty, yeah. And... Yeah, and I think it also won the Queer oh, cool. Palm, too, when it was released. So, is what I saw on Wikipedia when I was looking this up when we were adding it to the list. I've heard really good things about it. Um, have have not seen any clips from it at all. And the artwork for it is this very pretty, like, like art piece. So, like, I haven't really seen any photos from it either. So, I have no idea what it looks like. Um, but I've heard really good things about it. And it is, you know it's pride month and it seems like it's a good movie. So it's just a bonus. It's, I hope we, I hope we're getting another portrait of a lady yeah. on fire, but with more mystery where it's like just a solid movie. Um, so, cause we, there's some other movies we were talking about and we were like, uh, I don't know, but this one seems cool. And it's French. Cause we were thinking about doing high tension, but there's some, I don't know. There's some connotations in high tension that I don't know are super positive. And again, I would love to hear people in the community actually tell me if I'm right or wrong. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Um, but it is an interesting movie with, um, but this one is also a French movie and I'm kind of, I'm excited. It looks cool. I don't, I'm, I, that's what, it's like kind of a mystery. So we'll see. see. I'm excited though. I'm (laughs) excited. So, yeah. yeah, so that includes um, our episode for this week. Um, and it is it is late. Uh, me and Katie usually always get to talking. Uh, so <laughs> we're about to wrap up yes. and say goodnight. As always, guys, um, this is a reminder. Uh, please, please take a shot of water. Keep yourself hydrated. Um, shot, 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 shot. 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 Um, thank you so much for um, for joining us. Um I know uh, specifically now that my friend Stephanie listens to about every episode. So hi, Stephanie. Um, hope you're enjoying your hope hi, you're Stephanie. enjoying your car ride to work today or your car ride home. Um, yes. I hope any of you who may be listening to us while you're doing chores. I hope you're having a lovely day. I hope you do something to take care of yourself. Please practice a little self care today. Um, and uh, so before I say my usual uh, closing remark, Katie, would you like to <laughs> add anything to that? Um, I would just say um, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for being supportive. Please know that we are a safe space if you need it. And that we love you guys. And um, that um, be careful this hot girl or hot guy summer, whatever <laughs> you prefer. Um, make sure you get vaccinated. Um, it's nice. Um, Brittany's birthday is actually coming up in the next couple weeks. And we're going to be able to have like an actual normal celebration because most of the people in our lives have been vaccinated and it's 
things are opening up. Um, don't, don't think the pandemic's totally over until we all get vaccinated. But I, I just, it's just nice to move back to normalcy. Um, and um, whether you're starting your summer taking a break or starting something new, um, be safe, love yourself first, and really listen to yourself. And um, yeah, just be be good to each other. It's it's been it's been a hell of a year, but um, we're, we've made it through. And I'm proud of you guys. I'm sorry. Uh, make sure you also take your vitamins and get some rest. Um, and I'm meandering now, so sorry, guys. But um, we love you guys. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. Um, and thank you for listening. We love you guys so much. And if um, you have a movie you want us to watch, please send us recommendations. If I know we have a couple guests that we personally know um we do want to get you guys on because hopefully we'll have some more guest things um we need to do better about planning that stuff in advance so hopefully we'll have another guest i think we should do at least one or two this summer um because people have more time free but um we love you guys and just stay safe out there be kind to one another as always and watch scary movies keep america strong watch scary movies um, or wherever you may be in the world, keep <laughs> keep yourself strong and watch scary movies. Um, as always, guys, yeah. we look forward to seeing you uh, same time, same Scoopy channel. Stay, Stay Scoopy, y'all. Bye. Have a good night. Bye, Bye Katie. Have Bye. a good night. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.